Welcome to the Crux Podcast and Sermon of the Week. For more information about the Crux Ministries and Summit Church, please visit us at summitsanmarcos.com. Uh, Crux Camp, <laughs> Crux Camp, Crux Camp has had like a reputation like over the last so many years, right? Uh, uh, what? Changing <laughs> your life. Okay, yes, that's a good reputation. Yes, reputation. that is good. And so another one is this phrase: "We go hard." You know, <laughs> we go hard, we go hard. Like, like it's like ten o'clock and we're starting. Like, you know, oh, man, you know what I mean? Like, we go hard. Another, another one. Pastor Andrew always said that it became like a life motto of mine. I just love the visual of it. He said, he said that you have a table set before you. You have a buffet, right? And the question is, how much do you want to eat? How hungry are you? You can have as much as you want. Did you know it's possible to starve at a buffet? Oh my gosh! Right? Wow, thanks, bro. <laughs> it's possible to be like, nah. It's like that joke where the person, like, they, they, they're like, you're so stupid, you slept on the floor at a mattress store, you know? Like, have you remember oh, that one from when we were kids? I don't know, I remember that I missed that kid, part right? of my childhood. Right? You, I don't know if you remember that. But anyway, the thing is, it's possible to starve at a buffet. There's people that are like, God, give me more. And he's like, dude, it's right here. Come get it, man. You know? And so the question is, how hungry are you on this trip? You know, the one word I got when I was praying for the ship was encounter. And that's like a scary word. You're like, I don't know what that means, God. Like, I can't build a sermon for encounter stuff, you know? Like, like encounter means he shows up. And uh, so I tried my best to kind of create a sermon about encounter, the importance of encountering God in our life. What are different encounters? And then I'm hoping at the end to just go back in for a little bit of what just happened. And, and maybe some of you, for the very first time, really encountering God. Or maybe it's just been a long time, and you're like, dude, I need a fresh encounter with God, man. And, and, and then getting a fresh one. I don't know, wherever you are in your walk, God always wants to bring a fresh encounter. You know, in the Bible, in the Old Testament, 40 years they lived in the desert, right? Uh, and it says daily they would get this food called manna that they, they, that they would eat, and it would feed them. But the problem was, is it said that the manna would be rotten by the end of the day. Next. Every day they'd have to get fresh manna, okay? Because it was God saying, I'm going to prove to you, I'm going to prove to you that you have to daily be dependent upon me for your survival. Your nation of over 400,000 people will not eat unless I show up tomorrow morning. And you have to go to sleep not knowing if your food's going to be on the floor tomorrow. And I will convince you. You know, that manna from heaven is going to show up. That is dependency on an encounter of God. And he said that people literally, if they gathered it, he would let it go rotten by the end of the night. Like supernaturally, just dry up the food, right? And there's times I'm telling you, we can live. We love testimonies of the past. We love when we first met God. We love all that stuff. But you need a fresh encounter with his presence. You need a fresh encounter. Yeah. Like, I've had awesome stories and testimonies happen that the Holy Spirit's showing up, like, in Nepal in May. And it was incredible. And I'll brag on yeah, them and tell you about how God showed up, right? But, but I need one today. Right. Nepal's not going to sustain me for today. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I want God more today, yes. you know? And so I want to encourage you guys, go hard. Challenge yourselves. Give your all. Yes, we might be tired. <laughs> like... Who cares? Often God shows up the best when I'm tired because it's like I finally gave up, you know? And like, and so I want to encourage you, like, like let yourself get offended. Uh-oh. Like, let yourself, let God break your box as to what he could do, you know? Yeah, like, I'm probably going to offend you, you know? 
like sorry not sorry you know like yeah, it's it's like and uh, you know you know I know I've grown as a as like a Christian and with Lord is is this this message would have offended me so hardcore if I listened to myself five years ago in this very room and I sat in the back there, I would have left, right? As I'm writing this message, I'm like, God, you changed me. You did miraculous work because I am offending myself right now. Like, dang it. And so a couple things. Why do I say this? I haven't even got the message yet. Sorry. But why do I say these things is because uh, I have such a passion and a heart to take the supernatural things of God and then to also take the, the, the word of God, which is supernatural, right? But to take the almost like the conservative, the people who genuinely love Jesus, like genuinely with all their heart would die for him, but don't understand this stuff and are freaked out by that. That was me my whole life. And I have a, I have a passion to help them understand that the safest place you can be is with a God who he's not safe, but he's good, right? <laughs> right? Like, like the safest place you can be is right where he has you. And so I have a longing to see people become naturally supernatural, right? Where they're supernatural, walking in signs and wonders and miracles and incredible radical love. And yet at the same time, like, they're not like weird and crazy. Like, like they like, they like, they're, good, they're like, you know, do you know what I mean? Like, like, they like, like I could walk into someone in the store and be like, hey man. And they're like, dude, I don't know that guy, but dude, I felt so loved, man. You know what I mean? Like I, I have a passion to see the two and I believe they can marry together because Jesus was when he was probably the most natural man who ever lived, and yet the most supernatural man who ever lived. Mm-hmm. And he was two in one, God and man together, right? And it, it was it was our Jesus, right? And so I, I just believe it's possible. So uh, I say that to say, if you if I say anything in here that you're like, what, you know, like uh, come talk to us. I've asked every question in the book, probably in a much like meaner way than you would ask me. You know, I like when exactly. some like leaders. Like, dude, I didn't say cults, don't do that. And they're like, no, man, dude, stop. <laughs> right? And I'm like, nah, dude. Like, and I, and I basically, I was mean, right? And so yeah. it took God was so gentle. He was so patient with me, man. And so I can guarantee you, any question you have, I've asked it. So come talk to us afterwards, okay? But are we willing to open up our hearts tonight? Are we willing yeah, to let our yeah. hearts possibly get offended uh, if it means encountering God in a new way? Are we willing to say, are we willing to say, God, here I am? David's ready. Are we ready to say, God, you have permission to show up in a way that I, I don't know if I wanted you to show up? <laughs> right? Uh, is that cool? Can we do that? Let's do it. And can we also trust and say it's a safe place? Like, like with Jamal shared, I'm not going to run back down to my youth and be like, guess what happened to Jamal? You know, <laughs> like, like it's a safe, it's a safe place to say, like, we're family, we're together. Whatever we share here, dude, stays here. It's okay. We, we love you. It's safe here. Okay. Is that cool? I just want to get some culture things out at the beginning of this trip so that we're good for the rest of the trip. Okay. And you have permission to have questions. You have permission to not understand. You have permission to come up and be like, what the heck, dude? What was that, dude? What the like, heck? What just happened, right? And you have permission, and I'll be like, dude, I don't know. Let's figure it out together. Like, yeah. You know? And I'll be honest with you. If I don't know, I'll be like, I don't know. Right? Let's, let's search together. Is that okay? Like, can we just be humble and be like, dude, we don't get it? Like, let's, we're just trying our hardest yeah. to go after God. Is that all right? Yeah. Cool. So those are culture pieces for us here. Okay? So you're okay wherever you're at with the Lord, but I want to invite you to go deeper. 
I want to invite you to open up your heart. Okay, uh, so now we're going to start. Is that okay? Yeah. Awesome. You guys still, you awake? Yeah. Okay, you have permission here too. Uh, you don't have to stay in your seats. Like, if you're like, dude, I'm going to fall asleep, so I need to stand up. Like, stand up. It's okay. You know, like, you don't your boss immediately. Stand up. Just stand up, bro. Yeah, you're fine. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I just, the minute I said that, he was like, and started to stand. So, yeah, no, I'm serious. You have total permission. Don't feel stuck in your pews, okay? You can sit down. There is no way down. You can, you can, whatever, okay? All right, here we go. Here we go, here we go, guys. You ready? I have a story for you. Uh, I have a friend. With Pastor Taylor. So, I, have, I have a good friend. Uh, his name is George Lemel. I know that guy. Is, uh, I know that guy. They're okay. celebrating because he's just the nicest man. We love him. Um, he, he's just an amazing man. Uh, and him and I went to Costa Rica together. Uh, and we went on a mission trip. Yeah, three hours there. I'm so sorry, me and George. You're also there, you know? Okay. Don't get offended. Like she was there too. Other people were there. So we were in Costa Rica, and basically, um, uh, we we really wanted to see monkeys. Like, why though? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, ask him why he said that. Ask, ask him later. It'll, it'll get on a, on a tangent, right? So, but anyway, uh, we really wanted to see oh, monkeys. And we would hear them at like five in the morning. We'd hear them go by in the trees. Like, they straight up go by in the trees over there, right? And it's everyone doesn't care. It's like saying, oh, look, a pigeon. Like, they're like, oh, yeah, that's who cares, right? And we're like, dude, the monkeys, right? And so we basically, uh, we wake up. And uh, our roommate, this one guy, he, uh, he all of a sudden, he's like, guys, guys, the monkeys are here, right? And he goes running out, and we're like, what? And we just kind of wake up, and he like, he like runs in, and he grabs, this isn't George, sorry, the roommate, he grabs a watermelon, like half of a watermelon to try to be like, maybe they'll come eat watermelon. And he's like, guys, the monkeys are here, and he turns and he hits the wall, and like pops all over, and he's like, oh my God. and he just like picks up scraps, he's guys, the monkeys, the monkeys, and he keeps Watermelon, right? And so George and I get up and we see the monkeys and they're in the tree and they're like staring at us, you know? It's like and it's like we put the we put the watermelon on the floor. The destroyed watermelon. Yeah, yeah, the destroyed watermelon. We put it on the floor, we back off, trying to say maybe they'll come down from the trees and they'll get it. And we're sitting there and they're not coming. Right? We're like, man. And the, the, the hill's like this slope. And so George gets this bright idea. What if I get up, what if I get it up to them, right? And maybe they won't come down. I can I can bring it to them. And so so he gets a chair and he puts the chair on. It's like Six in the morning now. <laughs> he's out there just in shorts, like bed and all that kind of stuff. And he puts a chair out on this slippery, like muddy slope, and he stands on it. I have this on video. I was filming it. Oh my god! <laughs> it's like six in the morning. And he gets up there, and he like holds up the he holds up the watermelon, and the monkeys are like right here, and he's like right here looking at him with watermelon, and he like. Balances on this thing. He's like this close, and he goes like this. He's pretty tall. Are you serious? He like presents it, like and he like bows his head down, like he's like presenting the sacrifice to these like monkeys or something. Like I come to you with gifts, right? And he does that, and I'm like giggling in the video, like and he's like he's like and then all of a sudden you see him like. And then the, the chair flips out of under him. Oh, he just goes like, <laughs> oh my god, throws the water out everywhere. Hits the ground and starts rolling down the floor. And we're like, oh, oh! And the monkeys would freak out and run away. And we're like, and we're like, oh! And all of a sudden, all of a sudden we were like, 
Uh, it's like six in the morning, so we just start laughing. And people upstairs are like, quiet down there. And, like, and then he gets up and he's like hitting himself. He fell onto a, a red ant hill. Oh. And he landed on it. Right? And I don't know why. I was like, I didn't be like the best friend that I am with him. I didn't like, oh dude, let me help. I was like, Dude, that's what you get for giving like for giving sacrifices to false idols, bro. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I was like, dude, you were like trying to give him a gift. That was weird. What? <laughs> like, he's like hitting this stuff out of And I'm like, yeah, dude, not a strong foundation. That's why you fell. <laughs> he's like, shut up! And he's like just trying to get these ants off of him. Oh man. That's the real answer. It was great. It was super good. Yep. Yep. Anyway, it was super good. <laughs> anyway, anyway, here we go, here we go. <laughs> yeah, like what? Why did I tell that? All right. Oh, man. Basically, guys, the re- reason I say this is there's... Oh, man, how do I... Basically, this is... I, I believe this is a lot of times, like, us... We have this, <laughs> we build our life a lot of times on a theology and not on a counter with God. Mm. We build our life upon a, um, a surface that's more of an argument than an actual faith. Mm. It's a, a lot of times, I've done this, and we try to support ourselves on something that's logical in our minds. Something that, like, I can, I know God is real because this, 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 this. Which is good. It's not, like, it's not a bad thing, right? But if we make that the foundational truth of our Christianity, like, it's going to fall. Yeah. It's not going to hold your weight. Oh, yeah. You're going to stand up. You're going to try to do something. You know, you're going to try to reach for something. And it's not going to catch you. This is what happened to me in my life. I was super theological, man. I, I knew every argument in the book. I could argue any atheist and checkmate. You're done. Like, yeah. You, like, I just proved you atheism stupid. <laughs> you know? Atheism like, like logically, I used your own logic to show you it's not real. I never won a single soul. I made a lot of people really mad at me. <laughs> but I never won anyone over. And with me, it didn't cure my depression. This can't really get real. Like, I, I was super depressed. I was suicidal. I was uh, hating my life, wanting to die, hating my family, hating my. I thought I didn't have a future. I thought I had nothing. But I knew a lot of theology. And it put me in this spot where I said, What the heck, God? I know everything about you, and yet I completely don't know a thing about you. I can, I can run circles around theologian people. And yet, I go home and I wonder if you're even real. Mm. And I go home and I just, I I don't even know how to cry anymore. Like, I'm so hardened. I'm so messed up. I'm so, like, I don't even know if there's a God. But I know the arguments for it. I build my foundation on on a theology and not on a man, Jesus. I build my life off of a textbook, not an encounter. I believe that every Christian is... I believe to be a Christian is to encounter God. That is your cornerstone. Is that God met you. God came for you. God encountered you. I I don't know a single Bible hero. You know? 
the famous Bible characters, every one of them has a story about a moment when they encountered God. Yeah. Like every one of them. You know? Every one of them that I can read. It, they have stories of when they really met and when they really encountered God. So tonight, uh, I guess I have two topics that I tend to talk about a lot. One is that that is God's love. God's love for you. Your identity because he loves you. And then the second one is like just straight up revival. That you're called to be revivalist. You're called to change the world. You're called to do something big with your life. But I believe tonight, I believe encounter is where the two of those really marry. It's that God's love for you actually shifts who you are because he encountered you, which causes you to actually be different and then encounter the world around you, which then pulls them into an encounter with God. You know what I mean? Like, it, like this is where the two of those come together. Uh, I love um, one of the biblical heroes. We look at Paul. He, he like wrote, he wrote the Bible, right? Biblical hero, right? He, he talks about, I really believe that you're always meant to encounter God. You're always meant to feel his presence. You're always meant to, uh, in different ways, we don't compare to each other, but you're always meant to see him, to know him, to encounter him outside of just a textbook. You were meant to have a very real, personal testimony of when I felt God, right? And this is what Paul says. He says, when I first came to you, brothers and sisters, I, I didn't use lofty words and impressive wisdom to tell you God's secret plans. He says, for I decided that while I was with you, I would forget everything except Jesus Christ, the one who is crucified. He says, I came to you in weakness, timid and trembling, and my message and my preaching were very plain. Rather than using clever and persuasive speeches, I relied on the power of the Holy Spirit. Dang. Are we a people who are really good at coming up with wise words and, and wisdom? Or are we a people that rely on the power of the Holy Spirit? This is just Bible. You know, like, this is in the scripture, right? Like, are we a people, I mean, I love and I believe, I really do. Like, I believe in apologetics. I believe in knowing your faith. I believe in the power of knowing why you believe what you believe. I think it's really good. But I believe that you're not going to win anyone over with that. What's going to win them over is an encounter with the Holy Spirit. Yeah. An encounter in their hearts. I have yet to meet someone who's like, you know what? It just, it was a good argument. <laughs> yep. That was it. You know, like, I believe it's important. I believe it's important to like be smart and know your faith logically. But ultimately, it is an encounter with the Holy Spirit that brings revival into your heart and the hearts of everyone around you. And so that's why we call this trip revival, because you are meant, or not revival, encounter, because it leads to a revival. Sorry, revivalist, it was encounter, right? So... I love, there's this guy, uh, Robert Liardin. He's a famous historian, and he's uh, like an author. Uh, basically, he talks about church history, talks about revival. He, ta- he traces, literally, it's crazy. His studies that trace like the disciples all the way to modern day revivalists. Just like, just amazing books, right? This is what he writes. He says, he says that the hallmark of every revival is hunger of heart. The heart's pursuit of a personal relationship with Christ. The heart's longing to experience God's presence. 
the heart's cry to worship God in spirit and in truth. Revival is the product of an awakening of the heart to the power and the presence of the living Christ who loves us unconditionally. And he says this, he says, revivalists are those men and those women who are able to, to, able to venture out from the safety and conformity of head knowledge into the passionate truth only understood through faith. And once these heroes of faith revived their own hearts in this way, they made sparks that ignited a blaze to set nations on fire for generations to come. Okay, here we go. Let's break, let's break this down. Let's break it down. He says the, the hallmark of every revival is hunger of heart. Hunger. It's hunger of heart. The stamp, the one thing every revival has in common is a hunger to encounter God. Down to the revival in the book of Acts. Where the, the 120 people are in the upper room waiting for the Holy Spirit to encounter them. You guys realize that there were a lot more than a, that many people in that room. But they waited a really long time. Like days and days and days and days, weeks. And people slowly left and trickled away. Because God wasn't showing it. Oh man, I would have hated to be the number 121 who was like, dude, we've been here a month. I just, I don't know, I don't know, I'm going to leave. And he leaves, and then like, tongues of fire come down in the room, he's like, dang it. <laughs> like, like, you know, and you're like, dang it, like, if only I was a little more hungry to stay a little bit longer. Like, like, down to the original time when they encountered the Holy Spirit, it was hunger who kept the people there. Hunger is the mark that shifts and changes everything. How hungry are you? How badly do you want encounter with God? I love this. And he says, the heart's pursuit of a personal relationship with Christ. The heart's longing to experience God's presence. Are we okay with just stopping at an understanding of God's presence theologically? Of saying, oh, yeah, 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 God. God's real. Or do we have a longing that says, I need to encounter him. Like where does our faith cap out? You know, does it cap out like I have faith to believe God up here, but I don't know if I have faith for him to actually encounter me in my heart, my body, my life. Maybe he can touch with others. I don't know if he can do that with me. And so is there like are we willing to be a people that we say, yeah, no. No, my hunger is actually greater than my want to understand. My hunger to encounter God is greater than the pain of waiting for Him. <laughs> like, my hunger to meet Him is stronger than the pain of not understanding. My hunger is stronger than my fear of what if it scares me, or what if it's messy, or what if, what if it's weird. My hunger for God is greater than my need to put God in a box and understand him. Have we become complacent? Uh, do we see and feel God with a longing? <clears throat> this was something that God really challenged me on. And I said, do you do 
Are you okay with a Christianity that just does things for God? Are you okay with having a lifestyle where you just do good things for God? Or do you actually just want God himself? Like, I'm a Christian because I want God. Being a good person, doing things, my calling, my future, getting blessed by him, all of that is secondary. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a pretty nice secondary, right? <laughs> but I want him first. Do we want God for the blessings he'll give us, or do we just want him for him? Like, do we want God for, for the future and the calling, and I, and I want a future God, and I, and I want a good job, and I want these things, and I, and I want a good life, and so I should really turn my life around and follow God and be a good person and, and all this stuff. Like, that's great. But if that's the end goal, that's not God. Mm-hmm. That's like wanting Dominic for everything he can do for me as a friend. Like, he buys me meals, he like helps me out, he's a good buddy, right? And then be like, I'm okay with that. I don't really want him in my life. I just want everything he can give me, right? Which is just crap, (laughs) you know? It's like, no, 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 no. I want him in my life because he's my friend and all the other stuff comes out of that. Like doing fun things together, him blessing me, me blessing him, me being nice to him and being nice to me, things like that. That all comes secondary, Of just wanting to be with him and his friendship. With God, are we okay at capping out our faith at like I do good things for God, you know, and I get good things and I bless him and he blesses me because I'm a good Christian? Or do we say, no, 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 I want him. Yeah. And then what he gives me is secondary. Mm -hmm. If God never gave me a thing again, I'd be happy because I just got him. And it says this. He says this goes, revivalists are those men and women who are able to venture from the safety and conformity of head knowledge. Oh, yeah. Me too, man. It's so safe when we can understand it. It is so much safer to know what's around the corner. It is so much safer. And you can live a life of safety if you want. But who knows if you ever really encounter God then. Because God, a lot of times, is right around the corner. And he's calling you, saying, hey, come here, come here, come here. And he'll do it for 50 years, come here. (laughs) Right? He'll wait, he's super patient. Come here, bro, come on, come here. Right? And you're like, what's over there? Just, just, Just come here. Tell me what's over there. Come here. Come on. <laughs> right? Like, just put out your hand. But what if it's something gross? Just put out your hand. Well, what if it's scary? Put out your hand. What if it's a frog? Uh, like, just put out your hand! <laughs> like, so that I can give you something. Why does God choose to offend our minds? Why does he constantly have to be the one who, who like, asks us to do things we don't understand? Why does he just love to do things that mess up our heads? Right? Why? Because is it really trust if he doesn't do that? Is is it real trust in him as your dad and as your God if he had to explain every single thing to you first? That's so good. Before you're willing to do it. Wow. Really good. Doesn't that take all the pleasure out of the child and the father if the dad said, you know, I have something for you. And it's all this stuff, and I'm going to go get it for you. Like, no, sometimes it's like, dude, just trust me. I have a surprise for you. Open up your hands and close your eyes, <laughs> right? Like, there's, there's a trust factor that will never come if we completely understand. 
There is a faith that we will never get to in trusting God as our Father and encountering Him if I have to get it before I'm willing to do it. If you're waiting to understand before you step out of the boat, you will never step out of the boat. Right? When we say, God, show me and then I'll come. He's like, no, 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 no. You come and then I'll show you. And he does this all the time with people in the Bible. He's like, come and see a place that I will show you eventually. You know, What's you're the like, deal dang it. Right? Because it forces you, it forces us to realize the destination isn't the promise. It's the journey with God. Yes. The only reason the promised land is the promised land is because it has God in it. <laughs> it's his promise, right? Like to have the promised land without God is pointless. It's just land, right? And a lot of times we as humans, we think the end goal is the promise of God. But the end goal is God. Yes. Have you exalted God's promises above his presence? Have you taken the promises of God and said that, that they're more, they're above his presence in my life? His presence is the promise. Like, you know what I mean? like, like, no, no. Like, I want you more than I want my calling. I want you more than I want the things to happen. I want you before any of that stuff. Is God enough? Good. This is what he wants to know. Because he knows he's enough. Angel knows he's enough. Demons know he's enough. Do you? Do you know he's enough? Oh, so good. So good. Good word. That's why he offends your mind. <laughs> to reveal what's in your heart. If all it takes is a little bit of misunderstanding for you to be like, it's not God, whatever. Then he's like, okay. Like, how bad did you really want it? When you really want something, oh. Ain't no mountain high enough, right? Ain't no mountain low enough, ain't no really wide enough to keep me, right? Like, if you really want something, you'll push through offense. You'll push through any offense if you really want it. Right? Every married couple, there's going to be moments where they offend each other. Like, right? Is that true? So true. Yeah, okay. Good. That's what I was told. Is it true? Okay. There's moments where they offend each other. But because of the love, they push through it. Yeah. They push through offense. I believe God will purposely shatter the little boxes of our minds. He did He'll short circuit them on purpose <laughs> to reveal what's inside of our hearts. Yeah. It's like, yeah, y'all know Aladdin. All y'all. Genie. It's like, unlimited power. Yeah, busy little space. You know, like in the little lamps. Yes. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, this front row gets it. The whole back row is looking like crazy. You guys know what I'm talking about? Yeah. The genie in the lamp. You see the ladder, right? Yes. Yeah. No? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Y'all yeah. just All right. All right. All right. Here we go. Here we go. We, I believe that little itty bitty little thing. Is called theology, and we put them in it. Oh, snap. oh man! Wow. Right? Yes. And we're like, if I rub theology a couple times, maybe yeah. I'll learn something about God, and you'll come out. And you're like, no, no, he's a he was a man. He is a man. He's a person. He has feelings. He's not a textbook. 
You know? Like, like we have crammed an unlimited God inside of our little brains. And we said, and if you break it, I don't know if it's God anymore. <laughs> right? And he's like, what? And you're like, I created your little brain. Don't try to pull me in it. You know? Like, like right? I believe in a billion years from now, we'll still be like, holy cow. I can't believe like in just when we think we encountered it, he'll go like this. He'll like turn a little bit to the left, and they'll be like, "Oh, I never saw that side before." Like, what the heck, right? Like, oh man, I love this, guys. I love this. Uh, 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 this is why it's unsafe a lot of times. This is why uh, God calls us to do things that make our heart just. Sketch God, right? Because it's like, how much do you trust me, right? I love my one of my favorite books is the Narnia books, and basically there's this there's this lion named Aslan, right? And he basically represents God, he represents Jesus uh, in, in this picture. And the girl, one of the one of the young girls, she's trying to understand, and she said, and they say Aslan is a lion, the lion, the great lion. Oh, said Susan, I thought he was a man. Is he quite safe? I shall feel rather nervous about meeting a lion. Safe, said Mr. Beaver. (laughs) Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he's good. He's the king, I tell you. This is like like me when I first heard about the Holy Spirit. (laughs) And I'm like, Holy Spirit. And I'm like... I, really, I picture Holy Spirit like Casper the ghost, like this friendly, like nice, like kind of chubby, like ghost, right? You know? And you're like, yeah, you're here to be the comforter, which is true. He totally is, right? But he's also the power of God, <laughs> right? And so, so basically the Holy Spirit, I'm like, Holy Spirit, when people are telling me, dude, Holy Spirit can heal you. Holy Spirit can encounter you. Holy Spirit, I'm like, why did they fall over? And they're like, ah, Holy Spirit came and they just couldn't stand anymore. Like, I don't know. Like, we see it in the Bible. Like, we see people in the Bible when God's presence come. It says almost all the time, it says they fell over on their face, right? And then they were terrified and he had to say, don't be afraid. Like, you're not going to die. It's okay. Like, that tells me like, oh, dang, like, that was a real encounter, right? And so I see that and I'm like, I don't know, right? And I remember first time I ever seen that stuff and I'm like, so offended up here. Yeah. And yet some of my heart's like, I kind of want it, but I don't know what it. Ah, right? And I can imagine saying, praying, like, God, is that safe? And the angels are like, oh, that's adorable. <laughs> <laughs> He's so cute. Look at him. Like, no. Like, no. He's not safe. No. No, 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 no. He killed a whole army of Egyptians. Like, no, 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 no. He split the sea and then he crushed it on these guys. <laughs> right? Like, no, there was like a fire coming down from heaven going through the desert for 40 years to guide the people. Like, nah, no, nah, that ain't safe. Uh-uh, nah, nah. <laughs> right? And like, but, but, he is good. He's so good. He is so good. And at the end of the day, what do you want? The safety of God or the goodness of God? Wow. Right? The safest place you can be is in Him. 
His goodness. When I went to different mission fields, I went, I lived in places like the streets of Colombia, the streets of Cambodia, working with people that were coming out of sex trafficking, like horrible stories, right? I went and I lived with the underground church of China where they could be martyred, like uh, just for being a Christian. I went and I, and I lived in North Korea with people. Like, like none of this was safe. <laughs> but it was way more safe than being outside the will of God and driving my car around out here. Right? It was way more safe than saying, no, nah, I'm not going to do what God has for me, and I'm just going to like live in San Marcos my whole life. <laughs> right? I could have gotten a car crash and died. That's not safe. <laughs> right? You know? But I followed God's will, and he protected me. Right? What do you want? Do you want God, or do you want just the promise? Like, which one? Like, I want his presence, and the promise comes secondary. I want his goodness. I want him. Safety comes secondary. The safest place I can be is right there in his goodness. Yeah. Is this making sense? Yeah. Yeah. I say these things because I want to, I want to like stir up your hearts to be like, it's okay to not understand sometimes. Mm -hmm. It's okay to be freaked out sometimes. He, he never said like, oh wow. Like he didn't condemn her for saying, is he safe and being scared? He's like, no, no. Like he didn't, he didn't put her down. It's okay to feel uncomfortable. It's okay to not understand. It's okay. But at the end of the day, is your hunger going to lead you past your fear? And are you willing to say, I don't know, I'm, I'm, I'm hungry for God. Song of Solomon 4.9, it says, you have ravished my heart, my sister, my bride, is what he's saying to her. You hold it hostage with one glance of your eye. This is the verse that God says over you. That word ravished is not like a beautiful word. It's like it was a, a picture of like an army. They come in, they ravish a city. They, they pillage it, destroy it, capture it, take it hostage, set fire to anything that like wasn't what they wanted. Like, and he's like, this is what you did to my heart. You took it hostage. Like you broke it. Like, you, like I am undone. I am like, who cares about composure anymore? Like, like you took my heart. This is what God says to you. And we sit there like, ah, it makes me feel awkward. <laughs> like, I don't know. And he's just undone in love with you. And then we say, yeah, but I don't understand it, God, so I don't know that if I want that. Weird, right? Man, where's the point where we say, you know what? My God, I've ravished his heart. I think I'll let him ravish mine. Where's the point where we say, I think I'm going to be vulnerable. I'm going to let him take my heart hostage. Being taken hostage isn't like a beautiful thing. It like, it's like, dude, what do you, wow. Like, that's like, that's insane. Like, that's like a war movie, you know? I'm like, dang, he's going to destroy anything in my heart that he doesn't like. <laughs> and he's going to capture it. But, but it's all for goodness. It's all for the romance of being in love with Jesus. The disciples were not the same men three years after being with Jesus as they were when they met him. He, he shifted and ravished and changed their heart. Are we willing to let him do that with us? Even if it's not safe. Uh, Bill Johnson, he says this line. He says, many stop short of a divine encounter because they're satisfied with a good theology. Wow. The word of God is to lead us to the God of the word. Many stop short of a divine encounter 
because they're satisfied with good theology. Like, oh, that makes sense. Yeah, I'm good with that. And they stop there. But the Word of God was meant to lead us to the God of the Word. Uh, this, this is the part where I would probably walk out when I was when I, a few years ago. <laughs> Basically, um, right about there because I, I, I love the Bible and I have such a reverence for the Bible and I have such a, I, I believe it's the most greatest, just the greatest gift God has ever given us. I love scripture. Like, oh, I love scripture so much. But Jesus said this, he says in John 5, 39, he says, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. He says, it is these that testify about me. Wow. And he says, and you are unwilling to come to me so that, may you, so that you may have life. He says to them, you memorize and you search the scripture thinking that these mere pages are going to give you life. They talk about me. I give you life. Are you satisfied with just reading a Bible verse and being like, that's a good verse? Or do you say, wait, 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 wait. I need to meet the man who wrote that verse. Like, are you satisfied just saying like, <clears throat> and Jesus went around healing people. I'm like, oh, that's cool. But you say like, whoa, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> that means you can heal me. Uh, yeah. Like, do you take it to the man himself, Jesus? Do you take it to God or do you just stop with the good theology? Like, my theology is Jesus is, uh, he's a comforter, you know, the Holy Spirit is. Do I stop there? Or do I run to him, break myself, undo myself, weep in his presence and say, okay, comfort me. You're the comforter. Come comfort me now. Do you leave it at theology? Or do you press in for the encounter? Even when it's messy. Uh, there's a story. You guys doing okay? Yes. All right. There's a story. Uh, right? uh, there's a story of a famous guy, Peter, in the Bible. Peter, you guys have heard of Peter in the Bible? Um, amazing man, totally known for putting his foot in his mouth just all the time, and just saying things that are just like, "Bro, would you? Why'd you do that?" <laughs> right? He says this though. <clears throat> Basically, there's this moment. There's this story, and everyone uses it as a story to talk about how Peter had a lack of. I'm like, that is ridiculous. This is a story about the only man besides Jesus to ever walk on water <laughs> that we know about in Scripture, right? And so here we go. Matthew 14, 24. It says, Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from the land, for a strong wind had risen, and they were fighting heavy waves. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them, walking on the water. What? <laughs> like we read that verse like oh okay that's good that's good theology and we stop at the theology and we're like oh okay apparently Jesus can walk on water okay no wait what the heck like this guy walked on water like oh this is crazy okay it says when the disciples saw him walking on water they were terrified well yeah people don't walk on water like that's scary okay and it says in fear they cry out it's a ghost it's a ghost is what they say <laughs> That's crazy. That tells me there's times when Jesus will come in your life and you don't think he's a ghost. There's times when Jesus comes in your life and you actually accuse him of being the opposite thing that he is. There's times the disciples who lived with him didn't think it was Jesus. They thought it was some demon ghost. 
That means Jesus can show up in a way that you'll be like, oh no, <laughs> no, please God, right? Like, like there will be times when God will show up and it will offend you and you'll be like, oh, I didn't think you could do that. <laughs> I didn't think you could walk on water. Like what? What? And I love it. Is Jesus, he didn't warn them. He didn't be like, all right, I'm going to water at about three in the morning. I'm going to come walking. Okay, it's going to be great. You're going to love it. Right? Like, like, he didn't do that. He's like, yeah, go in the water. And then it said that they were in a storm, that they were rowing. These are sailors. This is what they do for their living. Okay? And they gave up. They were too exhausted and they were terrified that they were going to die. There's a storm. They're about to die. That means God waited until they were at the end of their rope. Because maybe if it was a perfectly sunny day, they would have been like, nah, we don't need that. That's creepy. Keep walking. But they're about to die. So they say, do we need you? You're creeping me out. But I need you. <laughs> right? He waited until they were broken. They were at the end of their rope. They were like, we're done. We ain't going to make it. We're sinking. And now we have ghosts. Right? Like, <laughs> right? Like, oh, kicks are not get any worse. Now there's ghosts, right? And so basically, he waits, doesn't warn them, and then he walks out. God will so often wait until you least expect it, when you're most broken, when you're most offended, and then he will show up in a way that just makes it worse, right? And you're like, no, what are you doing? Right? And he'll show up because he's trying to reveal what is inside of your heart. Heart. Wow. <laughs> he will purposely do this. <laughs> and Jesus didn't, it doesn't even say that Jesus was like, hey guys, here, I'm here to save you now. No, they were dying in the boat. He's just walking by, like, <laughs> just walking on the water, like, oh, beautiful night. And they're like about to die, right? And, and, and oh man. Because if they kept their eyes on their issues, they would have never seen him. But if they stop in the midst of the storm and look up, there he is. How, what, how often do we keep our eyes on our joke? What if we just looked up? And actually looked for the things we didn't expect. And I love Peter. This is what he does. This is why I love him. He does this. He says, but Jesus spoke to them. Don't be afraid. That tells me they were terrified. He said, take courage. I am here. Then Peter called him, Lord, if it is really you. Tell me to come to you walking on the water. He says, Jesus, if this is you, tell me to come towards you. Let me encounter you in this way like I don't understand. I want to encounter you in the very way that offended me two minutes ago. In the very way that I said, it could, that can't be God, that's a ghost. Two minutes later, he's like, if it's really God, then it's good and I want it. Give it to me. I want to meet you in this way. I'm willing to do the very thing that moments ago is freaking me out if it means I'm going to encounter God. And Peter, he didn't get to, he didn't get to ask questions. Okay, wait, wait, so is the water going to hold me up? Is like a breeze going to appear? Am I going to like flow? What's it going to feel like? Like, is it going to be solid? Can I bounce? Is it going to be all weighty? Is it like, 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 what is it? <laughs> What's going to happen, Jesus? Like... I don't know. <laughs> like he didn't do that. He just said, God, Jesus. And he acknowledged his feelings. Like, I'm freaked out. <laughs> you know. But if this is you, call me out to you. 
And then she just calls him on his bluff. <laughs> He's like, yeah, yes, come. So Peter went over the side of the boat. And he walked on water towards Jesus. Sometimes your greatest walking on water experience will actually be the very thing that you once denied and said like, nah, I'll never do that. That's offensive, that's scary, or that, I don't know. What if God could use the very thing in your life that was your most painful tragedy, your worst moment, your darkest sin or secret? What if he could take that biggest storm and he could turn it to the very thing that you walk on water and encounter him in and become a story of truth of someone who walked on water? But it starts with being willing to get over the, I don't understand. Why'd you let me in this storm, God? Why'd you let her boat almost sink? Why'd you let this happen to me? Why is this happening? And if you focus on understanding, you might never walk on water. But if you say, I don't get it, Jesus, but I'll do whatever it takes to encounter you. I don't get why this happened, but what do I do now? I walk towards you, and I'm going to get out, and I'm going to walk. That's what that, oh, man. That's it. His hunger for Jesus was greater than his offense from Jesus. His hunger for God. So I want to ask you, are you, are, are you willing to take off any callus, any shell, any complacency, anything like that? Throw it off. Any, I don't understand. Uh, are you willing to let your hunger for God push past the offense of not always understanding God? Are you willing to step out of the boat and be like, I don't get this. What, what the heck? I got nothing to lose. My boat's already sinking either way. I might as well get in the water sooner rather than later. Like, maybe I'll walk this way. Like, I'm already, I tried my way, and I had good theology, and I was suicidal. I was already going down. I might as well say, okay, here we go, and try to follow and step in faith and go after God. In the very way that once offended me. In the very way I used to argue against people in. I'm now preaching to you in. (laughs) Like, what the heck? Like, the very ghost I saw is now the thing I'm trying to convince you is Jesus. Right? Oh, God is so good, man. So, I had another step, but I'm going to skip it. (laughs) And basically, um, comes down, I, I felt like dangerous prayers. Are we willing to pray dangerous prayers? Are we willing to say, God, encounter me no matter the cost? That's a prayer I pray a lot. God, encounter me no matter the cost. And it's happened. Man, it's happened. Another prayer I pray all the time. God, give me your heart. Give me your tears. Give me your joy. Let me laugh when you laugh. Let me cry when you cry. I want your heart more than I want your promises. Like, I want your heart, God. Another dangerous prayer, God, use my life no matter the cost. Another dangerous prayer, God, break my box of you. Thank you for listening to the Crux Podcast Sermon of the Week. Be sure to visit SummitSanMarcos.com for other exciting content from Summit Church.